Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. Happy Monday to you. Happy late lineup lock day. First pitch isn't until 7.05 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, kind of a smallish slate for tonight, but it's all night games. So on a Monday, that's not necessarily a bad thing because you've got some extra time to uh, put your lineups together. I'm going to try to help you with it. Well, I'm not. I'm going to help you with that. I won't just try. I'll do it. Uh, And I solicited your uh, Twitter lineup questions earlier today. Uh, I'm going to be honest here. Response has not been overwhelming. I thank those who have sent questions in, but I know you got to have lineup questions. So uh, it's not too late. Uh, if you've got lineup questions, send them to me on Twitter at Al Melchior BB, and I'll have some here on the air, uh, on the air uh, starting in the next segment. Uh, also uh, for today's show, uh, I'll uh, as always. Go over the standout performances from the previous day slash night. There's a bunch of them. Talk a little bit about Paul Goldschmidt, who was not really a standout performer, although he did break his homerless drought this weekend. So it gives me a good excuse as any to talk about uh, Goldschmidt's enduring slump. And I know Nando and I talked a little bit about him on Thursday. We didn't really uh, dig too deep into uh, Goldschmidt's stats or anything uh, due to some time limitations. So I'm going to... Take another pass at that uh, on today's show. And a couple of big rookie debuts this weekend. Uh, Austin Meadows called up, uh, uh, but he got uh, really overshadowed by the uh, call-up. Sort of surprising uh, of Juan Soto, who is now the youngest uh, active player in the major leagues. Pinch hit on uh, Sunday, so he hasn't started yet, but... That's coming soon, and I'll I'll get to that in just a short little while. But did make his major league debut on uh, Sunday, striking out as a pinch hitter for the Nationals. But uh, Soto has just basically blistered his way through the minors, and I say it's a um, a surprising debut for him because he was in Class A to start the season. Just incredible, and I'm not talking about advanced Class A. I'm talking about, uh, the, I think it's the uh, the Sally League, uh, Hager, the Hagerstown Suns. So uh, he went uh, from Hagerstown to uh, advanced Class A in the national system. That's uh, uh, their Potomac affiliate. And then played eight games at A Harrisburg. So just flying through the system. But here's what he's done to each level, and then you can understand why Juan Soto is is in the show already. Uh, so he started out at Hagerstown. He had 373 with five homers in just 16 games. Uh, a a walk out a walk to strikeout ratio that was greater than one more walks than strikeouts. So moves on to Potomac, where he hits 371 with seven homers in 15 games. So they send him up one more notch up the ladder to Harrisburg. It, it really barely slowed down there. Uh, batting 323 with two home runs. So hitting just for crazy average and crazy power at every level. Great uh, contact skills, great plate discipline, looking, you know, and not slowing down really from one level to the next. So here he is in the major leagues. And uh, as far as what the, the role is going to be for Soto, I mean, I would think there's going to be a fair amount of playing time because of all the outfield injuries that the uh, that the Nationals have, and I think you know probably the the proverbial last straw was the uh, injury to Howie Kendrick. 
So uh, they they needed some depth, and you know, I guess it was time to to take a chance on uh, on Juan Soto. So uh, get to uh, the Nationals lineup in a little bit because it is out. But uh, uh, as I mentioned before, also uh, Austin Meadows uh, called up before this weekend, and uh, he has debuted and he's already hit his first home run. Uh, hit his uh, first homer on Sunday against the Padres, part of a three-hit game. But, uh, yeah, these uh, prospects are hardly viewed as equals in the two industry leagues that I'm in. In the Tout Wars 15-team mixed league auction, uh, Soto went for $412. And keep in mind that this is a $1,000 fab limit. Soto went for $412. And if you're thinking, well, okay, that's one owner's opinion. (laughs) It was uh, Ray Flowers that uh, that gets the services of Juan Soto in, in Tout Wars. Well, Ray barely bid enough to get Soto. There was another bid that was actually over $400, and then a whole bunch in the 100 to, to 400 range. I was on the low end. I did bid on him. I think I bid 126 I want to say. So it was actually one of the lower bids. Uh, on Juan Soto, so just just incredible. And meanwhile, Austin Meadows went for twenty dollars, twenty dollars. I think to Fred Zinke. I hope I got that right. In uh, my great fantasy baseball invitation league, invitational league, Soto went for even more. Went for six hundred sixty-six dollars. That's right, the six 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 bid by uh, Darius Austin, who's been on the show. He got Soto there. And uh, in that league, Meadows went for 46. And I happened to get Meadows in that league. And I did not happen to see what the other bids were. So hopefully I didn't bid too much. But obviously, again, a great bargain as compared to uh, to Soto. Uh, I did pick up Soto in a 12-team head-to-head league and did pay triple digits for him, but not in the you know $400 or $600 range. Uh, and again, I don't remember my exact bid, but it was, I think, in the neighborhood of about 150 uh, that uh, I, I got Soto for in that league. So it's not necessarily, that's not an industry league, but uh, so you may not necessarily have to spend half or more of your, your fab budget to get Soto, but you may have to be prepared to do it if, uh, well, I don't know if he's still out there in that many leagues at this rate, but if he is still there, uh, be be prepared to, to pay for him. In other non-prospect call-up news, Clayton Kershaw threw a bullpen session on Sunday, and according to Alana Rizzo of Sportsnet LA, he is scheduled to throw another bullpen session, and at that point, the uh, next move will be determined, possibly uh, returning to to the Dodgers rotation. So we could have a a very uh, imminent return of Clayton Kershaw, but maybe not. So we have to wait till he throws his next bullpen session, and I have yet to see uh, exactly which day that is going to happen. And in other Dodgers rotation news, uh, Rich Hill made a start on Saturday and threw two pitches and left because of his blister. And according to his manager, Dave Roberts, it's the worst he's uh, seen Hill's blister situation. Uh, he said it was, uh, hope you haven't eaten your lunch yet. It's uh, uh, been sliced open and uh, he's going to require a rehab assignment to show that uh, he can he can actually pitch uh, without uh, you know there being a blister, without a blister opening up, uh, so that all comes to us from the Athletic, and according to MLB.com, uh, Hill is expected to miss about four weeks. So um, I have got Hill in a few leagues. Uh, I, I I made a couple of of attempts to try to trade him. I, not surprisingly, to no avail, because everybody is as scared off of Rich Hill as I am at this point. I think you just got to wait this out and hope that he comes back in a month and the blister problems behind him and he can start pitching like he's been pitching for the last two years. Uh, but not not much else probably you could do unless there's somebody in your league who's really convinced that Richel's going to come back and, and be as good as he was. Uh, Chris Davis had a uh, groin strain on Sunday. Uh, he told uh, Susan Slusser of the San Francisco Chronicle that he didn't feel a pop but rather he felt a stabbing pain on the check swing uh, where he sustained the groin injury, and he hopes it doesn't cost him much time. Uh, To me, it would be much more uh, convincing, I guess, or reassuring 
if Chris Davis had said he doesn't think it's going to cost him much time, I'd be a little leery of, of starting Chris Davis. And I'm also very leery of starting Andrew McCutcheon. He sat out Sunday with the sore knee that he sustained uh, in Saturday's game. He was uh, reportedly, uh, according to Bruce Bochy, available to pinch hit. Uh, that uh, reported by the San Jose Mercury News. But no specific timetable for McCutcheon. Uh, they'll see uh, basically how he does after today's day off for the Giants. Uh, but for what it is worth, um, in a fairly deep head-to-head points league, I benched McCutcheon. Now, if I have good outfield depth. I was able to plug in Marcelo Zuna, who I've been benching. So you may not necessarily, especially in a deeper league, uh, have that luxury, but with both uh, Chris Davis and Andrew McCutcheon, I would be very, very cautious about starting them. And especially in, you know, like a 12-team mixed league, I don't see that there's any reason uh, why you should start them, and, and McCutcheon in particular. Greg Bird, according to Newsday, could be back sometime this week. Yankees are going to have a conundrum because uh, Tyler Austin's been mashing, and yet he's really been playing mostly just against lefties. Uh, so you got Neil Walker, uh, you've got uh, Austin, Tyler Austin. Uh, so there's going to be uh, a real crowd there at first base, and I don't think the team is at least they've not. Maybe they've decided, but they haven't publicly discussed uh, how they're going to resolve that logjam. But should be interesting. Some closer news from uh, the weekend and from Sunday in particular. Uh, so that Angels closer situation that's been something that's really been on hold because. Uh, it, you know, it was cloudy earlier in the season and then Keenan Milton seemed to really nail that roll down and then he got hurt and then he came back and then he, you know, got hurt again and, and, and now is having Tommy John surgery. Uh, so that, that situation's really been a mess. And then we've had to just kind of sit, had to sit on it because the angels had a five game losing streak where they never had a save situation. Well, that changed on Sunday and it was Justin Anderson in the eighth, uh, Otani pitched actually into the eighth, and then with one out, uh, Justin Anderson was brought in. And then rather than have Anderson come in in the ninth, which you could have seen maybe because Anderson has been getting some of the, the save opportunities of late when they've come about. But no, this time it was Blake Parker, and Blake Parker did the job. And he's pitched very well for uh, about a month now. Um, does that mean that you should run out and you know spend Juan Soto kind of money to get Blake Parker? I don't think so. Um, it's the Angels, it's Mike Sosha team. He does not like committing to roles with his relievers, especially in the late innings. He does seem inclined to go with Anderson uh, quite often. But then again, uh, Parker's actually pitched better of late. So I think it's probably going to be a little, take a little time for this all to get resolved. But you never know. I mean, Parker could get the next save situation and be, you know, great again and uh and just build on uh you know build on the momentum that he has but uh we're gonna have to wait and see on that i would would treat it a little bit cautiously still though but certainly blake parker has done everything he could do up to this point to certainly gain socialist trust gain our trust as fancy owners uh and and hopefully get uh, saves going forward if you're going to speculate on somebody i would think parker rather than anderson Based on performance, probably even more so than usage, uh, he would be the one to target. Now, White Sox uh, closer situation has also been pretty messy this year. I mean, there haven't been a ton of save opportunities, and Nate Jones and Joaquin Soria have have had their struggles. Soria seems to be pretty much out of that situation now. Um, he just has not pitched well enough, and uh, is is being used uh, in some fairly low. Uh, uh, low intensity type situations. Uh, so uh, we, we've seen Bruce Rondon a little bit. We've seen mostly Nate Jones, but on Sunday, it's not clear to me whether or not Jones was available, but I think it probably had to do more with the handedness that you had uh, a couple of lefties and the switch hitter uh, that would be pro far uh, coming up in the late Rangers lineup. So Jace Fry, the left-hander got his, his first major league save. And Fry was also used on Saturday to set up Jones with that same part of the Rangers lineup uh, with uh, Mazzara and uh, Profar and Joey Gallo uh, actually faced that same trio batters in, in both games. They just happened to come up in the ninth inning on Sunday. So what I can read into this 
is it, it looks like it may be a platoon closer situation, uh, which means that it's, I mean, it's not good for Fry or for Nate Jones, but uh, at least it, it puts Fry in that mix for saves. Um, and, and he was somebody that I'd speculated on in a couple of leagues about two weeks ago, not really thinking he'd get save chances this quickly, uh, but just the fact that uh, he's got a really nice minor league resume and in very, very limited innings, was looking really tough to hit. And he's now up to eight and a third innings since uh, his season debut this year. Uh, eight and a third innings of not only no hit ball, but nor, no score ball. No score ball. That came out awkward because it was awkward. Shutout is the word we usually use. But you get the idea. So Jay, uh, uh, Jace Fry has been terrific. And now in addition to getting, uh, I would think, strikeouts be a good chance to get strikeouts from him. And, uh, you know, probably some good ratios, too. Now it looks like you may get, at the very least, some occasional saves from Jace Fry. So pretty interesting stuff there. Uh, he and Parker, again, I wouldn't break the bank on either guy, but in a deeper league where saves are hard to get, it looks like at least a, a share of the saves is in store for, for both of those guys. Uh, Alex Wood uh, left Sunday's game early. Uh, against the Nationals. Uh, fortunately, it turns out he just had some cramps, according to the LA Times. So Wood's still uh, on target to make uh, his next scheduled start for the Dodgers. And uh, that would appear to be sometime in the upcoming weekend series against the Padres. So nice matchup for Alex Wood. And uh, obviously need to keep tabs on that and make sure uh, But that sounds like the kind of situation where you could expect him to make his start this week. I'm going to start him. Anyways, we got more news to come. Uh, We do have uh, lineups and weather to get to. And also your Twitter questions during the break. I'm going to see if any more of you wrote in with questions. And I will answer them. But first, we got to head to this break, so don't go anywhere. I'm going to be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And man, oh man, great job, guys. <laughs> I asked you for some questions. You came through big time uh, in the last 20 minutes. So uh, thank you for uh, sharing your lineup questions. I will get to them in just a bit uh, during this segment. So uh, great stuff. Uh, all right, well, uh, got a few odds and ends to uh wrap up here in terms of some of the news from over the weekend and then we will get to uh weather and lineups and i will say as of right now does not look like uh that's going to take real long so uh, we could get uh, right into your questions uh, i think in pretty pretty short order here uh so a uh, couple of pirates notes here they sent nick kingham back down to triple a uh so wound up being just a spot start for kingham and uh, if you're thinking, well, you know, maybe he'll be uh, be right back up, I wouldn't be so sure because his spot is going to be taken by Joe Musgrove, who we've been waiting for all season long. He's been out with the shoulder strain. He's going to be ready to go on Friday against the Cardinals, uh, that according to uh, MLB.com. So uh, I would not, uh, you know, I mean, things can happen, obviously, but uh, I'm not counting on Nick Kingham to be back up uh, in the immediate future. Uh, but we shall see. And also, not too surprising here, the Braves have released Jose Bautista. The experiment didn't really work out so well, and 
Uh, you know, I think that they are, are pretty committed to giving Johan Camargo some pretty regular playing time. So Dansby Swanson's back, uh, Camargo uh, sliding over to third base. Uh, so, uh, but no more uh, Joey Bats in Atlanta. Uh, speaking of Atlanta, uh, Braves and Phillies are one of two games scheduled to start at 7.05. That's going to be your first pitch. So uh, you have uh, about three and a half hours to get your lineups in shape. Uh, we do not have lineups for either the Braves or the Phillies just yet, though. And that other 7.05 game is Padres Nationals. Uh, by the way, I don't think I mentioned the Braves-Phillies. That's Michael uh, fulton I got very formal just there. Mike fulton and Nick Pavetta. And uh, Padres Nationals is Robbie Erlin and Gio Gonzalez, a couple of lefties. We do have a Nationals lineup, Mark Reynolds, at first base. So not surprisingly, no Matt Adams against the lefty. And, drumroll please, Juan Soto. You have to imagine your own drumroll. Uh, Juan Soto getting the start in left field and batting sixth. So very, very exciting to see there uh, getting that start. Uh, all right. Marlins Mets just five minutes later at 710 Eastern. Uh, Eliezer Hernandez and Jason Vargas. We've got both of those lineups in, uh, but nothing too unusual there for either team. Uh, Ahmed Rosario, who uh, had the two home game on Sunday, batting ninth. Uh, Luis Guillaume, uh, getting the start at third base, batting seventh. Uh, but otherwise, pretty much your your standard Mets lineup against Hernandez and the Marlins. And then the only other lineup that we have in so far, White Sox, they're on the ball. They always have their lineups in early, even when they're playing games at home in central time. Uh, they're they're beating out all the, uh, the East Coast teams. Uh, they've got their lineup against Andrew Kashner and the Orioles, uh, hosting them at guaranteed rate field. Uh, they'll be sending Hector Santiago to the mound and pretty much your standard White Sox lineup uh, for uh, for that one. So uh, as far as the weather goes, real quickie here, no significant weather threats to any of the games. The only one that probably bears just a little bit of watching just to make sure is that Orioles-White Sox game. Uh, there's a going to be a very strong chance of precipitation before game time, but by the time 8-10 Eastern, 7-10 Central rolls around, it's down to 11%. So unless that forecast changes, it looks like all the games on the slate are going to start on time, no weather problems, no delays, no cancellations, and you can just go ahead and set your lineups with very little regard, if any at all, for the weather forecast. Okay, so uh, thank you again for coming through with uh, lineup questions because uh, I certainly want to help you, but a lot of times your questions uh, help some other folks too. So let's get right to it uh, from a at I'm sorry at a underscore Stoltenberg, uh, Kinsler o- or Odor both this weekend and rest of season, and certainly for this week I want Kinsler uh, because while Kinsler's you know, not uh, performed at the level that I'd certainly hoped. Uh, Odor's just really, really in a funk that just he just can't seem to get out of. Uh, so I actually, I would, even though I had Odor ranked a little bit higher coming into the season, you know, so for my draft rankings, I had Odor a little bit ahead of, of Kinsler. At this point, I actually like Kinsler's chances of a rebound better because Kinsler... Uh, last year, not, you know, the greatest in terms of his actual stats, but really great peripherals and Odor, I mean, a very disappointing season last year. And then going into this year, it's still not producing much. So I'm going to give Kinsler the nod for this week and every week thereafter, you know, collectively, maybe not week by week. You get the idea. So hope that helps. Uh, this one from at urban underscore pilgrim 73 ETA on Peter Alonzo must stash now. Just once, by the way, I wish somebody would ask me if Daniel Mengden is a mustache player. But I digress. Uh, so Peter Alonzo, this one's kind of tough to figure out. And maybe looking, I'm looking at it a slightly different uh, light, uh, partly because of the Lagaris injury that, uh, you know, the, the idea that Jay Bruce maybe uh, goes over to first base if the Mets don't stick with Adrian Gonzalez. That's looking maybe a little less plausible at this point. Uh, but also with the Juan Soto call up 
And, you know, Alonso hasn't quite had the, uh, you know, rocket speed uh, rise through the Mets system that Soto has. I mean, it'd be sort of hard to match that. He's actually uh, repeating double A uh, where he spent a, a small part of last year. And he's just absolutely uh just uh, smashing the ball there. He's hitting 355 on base percentage of 486 with 11 home runs in 40 games. So, I mean, Alonzo definitely deserves some sort of promotion, um, but I'm going to guess they're going to go step-by-step and send him to AAA first. Uh, I just, you know, I think that the, the desperation level maybe isn't quite what it is for the Mets as it would be for the, the Nationals, given their, their outfield situation and how the, the injuries are just stacking up. Um, so I know I'm taking a long time to answer the question because it's a tough one. I would have, you know, before said, oh, you know, maybe July, August call up for Alonzo. Now, you know, now I'm thinking, you know, maybe it is going to be, uh, you know, sometime in June. I don't think it's going to be in the next week or two, but, uh, like I said, I do imagine he'll, he'll go to, uh, to AAA first. So I would say this is just a complete guess, but maybe late June or, you know, sometime closer to the all-star break. Uh, as far as stashing, yeah, if you've got a way to stash them, uh, you know, while the Mets don't have an immediate need for, for Alonzo, uh, I think that, uh, you know, that he just may force the issue sooner than later. So if you have ability to stash Alonzo, do it now, then as opposed to when we start getting the reports of Peter Alonzo's coming up, and then you have to spend, you know, hundreds of your fab dollars to get them. Uh, so that would be my advice there. So, uh, Thanks very much for uh, that question uh, at uh, urban underscore pilgrim 73. And uh, let's see, we got from at jmar2288. Should I start Austin Meadows or Leonis Martin? Uh, You know, a nice performance yesterday from Austin Meadows. And I've said on the show probably at least a couple times, maybe more that I'm skeptical of what Martine has done so far. And again, he's fairly fresh off of the DL right now, but I would go with Martine just because at this point, I have no idea if it's reasonable to expect Austin Meadows to, you know, basically what I would call pull a Jesse Winker, where Winker hit for very little power in the upper minors. And that got called up late, you know, in September last year uh, and, and hit with all sorts of power for the Reds. Uh, I mean, maybe, I mean, Meadows, you know, certainly going, you know, three years back was a threat in all categories. So that power potential is there for Austin Meadows. I wouldn't rule out him outperforming Leonis Martin, but I just have a better sense of what Martin is going to give me. So that would be my call is to go with uh, Martin over Meadows. And a couple of questions from at Reese 5098-7250. Drop Miguel Sano for Michael Conforto. Thank you. Uh, I would say the shallower the league, the more I like this. Uh, and I do think, I mean, Conforto looks like we're, we're starting to see him turn around a bit. Uh, certainly the peripheral stats, the X stats, uh, estimates all suggested that Conforto had been underperforming before there is the issue of playing time for him, but, uh, he started, uh, gets a lefty, I think on Saturday, so, you know, in a 10-teamer, or I'd say even a 12-teamer, I'm good with this. Uh, and anything deeper, I would like to add Michael Conforto. But again, in a deeper league, I'm going to guess that Conforto is already owned. So I would say most likely for you, this is this is a, a move worth ma- worth making. But if, if it is a deeper league by some chance, uh, I would find some other way to, to add Conforto. And then also another question from Reese. Should I drop Luke Weaver for Jack Flaherty? Oh, this is interesting. Okay, this says 12-team head-to-head categories. So if may, if that's the case for the other question, then, yeah, I would definitely do the Sano for Conforto swap. And here I would definitely do the Weaver for Flaherty swap. And, you know, that said, I do hold out some hope for Luke Weaver. The last start was a good one. I hold out some hope that he's going to be somebody that you're going to want to start in a 12-teamer like this. But right now... I don't think you can pass up the opportunity to add Jack Flaherty. And if Luke Weaver is the weak link in your pitching staff, the by, by all means make the move, but also look for a way to re add Weaver in the next few days. If you can, because I think he's got some bounce back potential, but I, I think the chances of Flaherty being gone on Weaver soon, 
Flaherty gone on waivers. Did I say weavers? On waivers is much greater than putting Weaver out there. Weaver on waivers and uh, and him being snapped right up. So, yes, I would make the swap. All right, a question here from uh, at BennyB69420. Rank these relievers on waivers in terms of the value rest of season. The aforementioned Jace Fry, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Blake Parker, and Dan Winkler. Wow. Uh, the, the easiest part of this is that I would put Dominguez at the back of the line. Um, I mean, clearly he's a part of the Phillies committee, but that committee right now is five relievers. And whereas, you know, Fry and Parker, I think they're sharing with one or maybe two at most. So, uh, and Winkler has just been great. I mean, I would love to have him, you know, without the saves and he's got a chance to get saves. So uh, in in terms of uh, the overall package, though, I would go, I would go Fry first because I just think he's got the best chance at saves. Uh, So I would go Fry, then... Parker, then Winkler, then Dominguez. And like I said, those top three, very, very hard to pick amongst them. And I basically rank ordered that on the the likelihood of, of getting saves. Um, in terms of just overall performance, I probably put Winkler at the top, but I think he's got the least chance of the three to get saved. So Fry, Parker, Winkler, Dominguez. Hope that helps Benny B. Couple more uh, at Kai Nashman. Head-to-head points league. Snell or Archer versus Boston this week. This is a dilemma I had to deal with. So I am very, very ready to answer this question. And if, if you had asked, if I had answered this question for you first thing this morning, I probably would have given you a different answer. But I, I'm going with Snell here uh, because I actually had to decide whether or not to start Archer in a 12-team uh, head-to-head league. So not not a super deep format. And, you know, I, I wanted to get all my two start. I had three two start uh, pitchers that I liked that I wanted to all get in there. And it's just the between the inconsistency for Archer and that matchup, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't start him. Whereas Snell, again, with the same matchup, but the Red Sox don't, or at least so far this year, have not hit lefties very well. So I actually trust Blake Snell more than I trust Chris Archer against the Red Sox. So, yes, yeah, Snell over Archer. Uh, for uh, for you, uh, Kai Nashman. All right. And at Perkle, another uh, Rugnet Odor question. Keep Odor and Buxton or drop? Uh, well, uh, I don't have any context here, so I don't know what you're giving up by keeping them. I uh, also don't know the depth of the league, but, uh, you know, as difficult as it has been for both of them so far this year, I'm not ruling out. A bounce back. And I would say particularly for Buxton, because, you know, we saw him the latter part of last season just go on a tear. And you have to remember, too, that he's coming back from the toe injury. So uh, and, and the migraine. So it's it's been a rough go for Buxton so far this year. Uh, but I, I really do think in time you would regret it if you dropped him. Odor, uh, if it's a shallower league, especially much more borderline. In fact, if it's 10 team or maybe even 12 team. Again, depending on who else you'd use that roster spot for, it's it's not uh, indefensible to drop Odor. But again, in the proverbial vacuum, where I don't know the context, I would uh, want to keep both of them around uh, because they both do have a chance to rebound. So again, thank you so much for all the questions. And um, we need to head to break in just a minute or two, but... Um, we do have quite a, I do have quite a bit of players I wanted to talk about from Sunday's games. So uh, try to get a few of those guys in here before we uh, head on to the next break. And might as well talk about Paul Goldschmidt because, like I said, it wasn't necessarily a standout performance for him uh, this weekend. But on Saturday, he homered off of Steven Matz. That stat snapped a 29-game homerless streak for uh, Goldschmidt. So uh, a very lengthy uh, outage uh, for him. And uh, so not just lack of power, but I mean, he's been striking out a lot. That really goes, that trend goes back to last season. And um, so strikeouts are certainly part of the issue for Goldschmidt, but he's actually hitting all right on the road. Maybe not 
what we would normally expect from Paul Goldschmidt, but also not the sorts of numbers where you would necessarily think something was terribly wrong. Away from Chase Field and away from the humidor, Goldschmidt has a uh, 275, 326, 538 slash line. Now, what it is a Chase Field, it's not good. So I will uh, finish up the discussion after the break here and share the results of a Goldschmidt Twitter poll. But right now we got to head to break. And when I come back, more Goldschmidt talk, more stand-up performances. Don't go anywhere. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, some lineups have come in. was a little bit skimpy on the lineups when I went over it uh, last segment. We now got those Braves and Phillies lineups. Uh, and we got a Cardinals lineup. And that one uh, will be worth noting. Uh, and I'll explain why in a second. Uh, but as far as the Braves going up against Nick Pavetta, uh, we got Kurt Suzuki behind the plate. Uh, otherwise, uh, pretty much the normal uh, lineup. And for the Phillies, uh, let's see. I think it's a pretty much the standard lineup. I'm just checking. Nope, we do have Nick Williams in uh, in right field. So we got uh, Hoskins, Herrera, and uh, Williams uh, in the Phillies uh, outfield. No, Aaron Altair. And then uh, going... To uh, St. Louis, Cardinals hosting the Royals, uh, Miles Michaelis and Ian Kennedy. And the thing that I definitely wanted to point out here is that um, Tyler O'Neill for the third straight game is in the Cardinals starting lineup. And he's right in the middle there batting fifth in right field. So no Dustin Fowler. You got Tommy Pham in center, Marcelo Zuna in left. And uh, O'Neill has homered in back-to-back games, homered on Saturday, homered on Sunday. And on Saturday, he filled in for Fowler. Yesterday, it was for Ozuna. So it looks like Mike Matheny's going with a little bit of an outfield rotation there to keep uh, the uh, the hot bat of uh, Tyler O'Neill in the Cardinals lineup. So that's uh, good to know because uh, certainly the power for him is legit. Just uh, you know, just needs the playing time. Uh, all right, so uh, that gets us caught up on lineup. So let me get back to Paul Goldschmidt. So I cited you his road stats, which, you know, they're not typical Paul Goldschmidt uh, stats. And you can certainly, you know, link that to the uh, inflated strikeout rate, which is just, uh, you know, sapping him of uh, opportunities for him to produce like he normally does. But uh, compared to the home stats, uh, those road stats don't look bad at all. I mean, you know, it's an 863 OPS on the road. Not bad. You, you know, you'd certainly start him on the road. At home, he's batting 140. He is getting on base at a 321 clip, but a 209 slugging percentage, a an 070 ISO for Paul Goldschmidt at home. So, I mean, just you know, other than the walks, there's nothing there for Paul Goldschmidt. So, uh, you know, fortunately for him and for the Diamondbacks, uh, it's all road games. This week, six uh, six game schedule, three at Milwaukee, three at Oakland. So, uh, you know, should be no question about starting Paul Goldschmidt this week. But next week, Diamondbacks come back home and they're going to face the Reds for three and the Marlins for three. And again, that those numbers at home have just been brutal. And so I put a question uh, to Twitter. Uh, and I included that uh, terrible home slash line for for Paul Goldschmidt. And uh, citing that, I said, in which of these formats would you bench him for the Diamondbacks' upcoming homestand next week against the Reds and Marlins? And three out of four of the respondents, 75%, said 
they would start him in both 12-team and 15-team mixed leagues. No benching for 75%. 11% said they would bench him in a 12-team mixed league. 4% said in a 15-team mixed league, which seemed a little odd to me that they didn't go for the both 12 and 15 category, but, you know, people have their their reasons, I suppose. And then ten per- another 10% said they would sit uh, Goldschmidt in both a 12-teamer and a 15-teamer. But again, 75% said 15-team, 12-team, doesn't matter. They're starting Paul Goldschmidt. So uh, I would not be one of those. <laughs> I probably would start him in the 15-teamer, but I, I, I'm not even sure I would do that necessarily. But there, I was. there's no way I would start Paul Goldschmidt next week. And I'm not talking about this week. This week the schedule's good. But next week with six home games, even with some pitching staffs that are, are not that formidable, uh, I would I would look for a way to replace Paul Goldschmidt uh, until he shows that uh, he can he can beat the humidor and also cut back on strikeouts maybe so uh, but a good sign in that uh, Goldschmidt again did homer on Saturday off of uh, Stephen Matz uh, lots of power on Sunday uh, Ahmed Rosario with his first and second home runs of the season so uh, he was homerless right up until Sunday uh, and in fact he was hitless in his previous three games so that should definitely uh not definitely but should get uh, rosario off the schneid and his uh, sophomore season uh, been been a bit disappointing but maybe getting on track with that game jd martinez i mean he's been terrific uh, a little bit of a slow start at the very beginning of the season but you know uh is is you know right back to where we thought he would be or maybe even better uh with the two homer game against the orioles he's now up to 15 on the season and I got to say, that, you know, not that I was avoiding Martinez in drafts, but I did have concerns about him heading for power with Fenway Park as a home park. But, you know, silly me. I mean, he's on somewhere between a 45 and 50 home run pace for the season right now. So uh, no issues there. And Andrew Benintendi, uh, a much longer sluggish start to the season for him. But over the last couple of weeks, he's gotten untracked in a big way. And on Sunday, he went three for five, hit his fifth homer of the year. And over his last 15 games, so this really goes back a little bit more than a couple weeks, he's batting 365 with four homers, four doubles, and a triple. So again, four of those five homers that he's hit this year have come in his last 15 games. So uh, the overall stats may be still a little bit behind what you were hoping for, but Benintendi uh, has definitely put the uh, slow start to his season behind him. I've talked about Miguel Rojas on this show and the big increase in power for him, and he's also taken much more of a uh, pulling uh, approach at the plate this year, and it's it, it had paid off in a you know kind of a modest way. Uh, but you know this is somebody who uh, you know pre- previous this year hit with you know very very little power, and uh, going into the weekend had five homers. Well now he's up to seven. Had a two homer game against the Braves where he went three for three. And uh, so now it's getting hard to, to get Rojas in leagues. And he's a nice power source in the deepish leagues for middle infield. I tried to get him this weekend in great fantasy baseball invitational and didn't bid enough for him. So he's getting a little more scarce. Talked about Tyler Austin earlier in the show. He had a two homer game on Sunday against the Royals. But again, uh, if you're thinking about speculating on Austin, you got to think of two things. And one is that he's not starting that often against righties. And, and secondly, with the uh, apparently imminent return of Greg Bird, his playing time might shrink even further. Brandon Belt stayed hot. He went two for four on Sunday, hit his 11th home run against the Rockies. So over his last eight games, which include that four-game span where he had a home run in every game, four games in a row, over his last eight games, he's 15 for 32 with five homers and four doubles. So Brandon Belt is some kind of locked in and has to be started everywhere. Uh, Jesus Aguilar had a big, big series uh, against uh, against the, the Twins in Minnesota. I was actually there for the game on Saturday. Uh, just happened to be in town and so caught the uh, the Brewers and Twins there. That was fun. It was freezing cold and windy, I got to say. <laughs> uh, so Twins fans are pretty hardy. Saw some folks even in T-shirts and shorts, but it was it was just freezing. Uh, but yet, despite the fact that there was a wind uh, blowing out to right field, we, we saw some uh, 
uh, hard hit balls go to go to left field and left center. Uh, but Aguilar was uh, was one of those in the game on Saturday, but uh, also hit one on Sunday. Went two for four. He's now up to seven homers on the season. And just for this three-game series at Minnesota, Aguilar went six for 11 with four home runs. So another very uh, hot hitter right now. Josh Harrison returned from the DL on Saturday. And you could certainly be forgiven if you wanted, had wanted to avoid him coming back from a, a fractured bone in his hand and anything that's hand or wrist related. Sometimes it takes a hitter a long, long time to heat up after that. But not Josh Harrison. First game back, goes three for four against the Padres. It's his third double of the season. So it looks like it's just one game. But, I mean, it looks like there's no problems at all with Josh Harrison. And I mentioned earlier in the show that same game, Pirates-Padres, uh, Austin Meadows with a three-hit game, including his first career home run. Uh, and uh, in Oakland, the Mats are starting to heat up a little bit. Matt Olson, Matt Chapman. And uh, Matt Chapman, of course, who was red hot at the beginning of the season, had a little bit of a lull. He's put that behind him. On Sunday, he went three for four with his seventh and eighth doubles. He also reached by way of a walk uh, at Toronto. And so now over his last eight games, Matt Chapman is 12 for 28 with a home run and five doubles. So that's kind of a, uh, we'll take it for sure. But you'd probably be less surprised if he had five home runs and one double. So he's uh, evening out that ratio a bit. And I mentioned Tyler O'Neill before, back-to-back games with home runs in the Cardinals lineup again uh, today, being Monday. But on Sunday, three for four with a home run, his second in two days, his second of the season against the Phillies. And Matt Carpenter starting to show some signs of life. Also went three for four on Sunday with his 11th and 12th doubles of the season. So uh, plenty of hitting on Sunday, but also some really notable pitching performances. Almost all of them good. Jack Flaherty talked about him in the last segment with that uh, that roster dilemma, uh, swapping him out for uh, Luke Weaver in that, that one question. Well, here's part of the reason why you want to do that. Uh, against the Phillies on Sunday, absolute domination. Seven and two-thirds innings, just one run allowed on two hits and one walk with 13 strikeouts. And this, of course, for Flaherty, doesn't come out of out of nowhere. Uh, some very good minor league numbers. So uh, looking good against a Phillies lineup. That's, you know, a, a pretty fearsome lineup uh, this season. Lance McCullers, uh, he certainly has bounced back from uh, some, some doldrums earlier in the season against the Indians. He went seven innings. Uh, did not give up any runs and only one hit. So also uh, a pretty dominating performance from McCullers. Eight strikeouts, only two walks. That's always great to see from uh, Lance McCullers. And also, uh, if you're looking for some reassurance, a couple other pitchers uh, bouncing back in a big way on Sunday, you Darvish and Sonny Gray. Darvish against the Reds. One run over six innings on two hits and three walks with seven Ks. The walks are something that you pretty much I think you have to expect from Darvish, and, and if it doesn't happen, it's a bonus. But just good to see him get in a, a quality start with more than a, a strikeout per inning and, and looking more like his old self. Same is true for Sonny Gray against the Royals. Went eight innings deep, one run allowed on four hits and just one walk, just five strikeouts for Gray. But again, you're not necessarily expecting the big strikeout rate from Sonny Gray. Uh, a lot of ground balls, 11 ground ball outs in that game. So as long as he's getting the grounders and uh, pitching with decent control, uh, you're, you're probably going to get some some good fantasy help from Sonny Gray. You know, plus you're also going to very likely get the run support uh, from him and uh, get get the wins in addition to the quality starts. And Ronaldo Lopez was just a fantastic start. I know a lot of owners were giving up on him. And you may want to credit some of this to the Rangers. I think I've even talked about this with Lopez in the past, that somebody who doesn't have the greatest control and also uh, not the greatest chase rate. So you figure if he's going to do well, it's going to be against a team that doesn't necessarily have the best plate discipline. Well, he had a fantastic start on uh, on Sunday against Texas Rangers and the Rangers rank 24th in chase rate, meaning the uh, 
the 24th lowest. <laughs> so the seventh highest in the major leagues. Uh, so not a bad opponent if uh, you really rely on getting uh, hitters to, to go after your pitches out of the zone. So Lopez, eight scoreless innings, only two hits, only two walks. That's key there for Lopez, along with eight strikeouts against the Rangers. So was it the pitcher? Was it the matchup? We'll have to see how uh, Lopez does the next time out. And uh, he lines up to make his next start against the Tigers at Coberica Park. That's uh, not necessarily a real easy matchup. Uh, you know, Tigers, of course, we've, we've known for quite a few years, hit for good power in their home park. And uh, as far as uh, plate discipline goes, though, could be a really promising start for him because the Tigers actually have an even higher chase rate that the Rangers do. They have the second highest in the major leagues. Only Lopez's own White Sox have a higher chase rate. So uh, this is going to be probably the best opponent from that perspective that that Lopez could possibly face is uh, the Detroit Tigers. But uh, again, some some dangerous bats there. So uh, that start will you know could mean a little something uh, for for Ronaldo Lopez. Daniel Mengden, the uh, mustache pitcher I mentioned earlier. Uh, sorry, can't help myself. Uh, seven scoreless innings for Mengden against the Blue Jays. Two hits allowed, one walk, two Ks. That's a little bit of a cartoon version of a Daniel Mengden performance because you can't really count on him for the strikeouts. You should hope, though, that he does come away with more than, than two strikeouts. But currently his uh, K per nine is just under six. But also his walks per nine are just under one. So a little bit of a uh, Bartolo Colon statistical profile there, but it, you know it works. It's very efficient, goes deep into games, not uh, you know giving up that many home runs. So uh, you know not necessarily overpowering, but but Mengden getting it done. Clay Buckholtz making his Diamondbacks debut. Haven't seen him in a while, and not a bad start uh, against the uh, Mets, although. Kind of similar to the Mengden line. He only lasted uh, five innings, Buckholz. One run on two hits, one walk, and two strikeouts. So a lot of similarity there uh, for Buckholz. So maybe worth a flyer in some, uh, I guess, NL only at this point. And Jake Odorizzi, uh, like I mentioned, you know, quite a bit of uh, power being shown in that uh, Twins Brewers series this weekend. But uh, Odorizzi with a very good start. Unfortunately, just came in out shy of a quality start only went five and two thirds but just one run on five hits two walks and 10 big strikeouts for jake odorizzi uh against the brewers so uh with with that performance now odorizzi's got his caper nine up over uh nine more than the one per inning uh he's got the low babip which is you know something that's you know something he's done over his whole career but uh you know, looking pretty good there. And then finally, Julio Tehran with a bad start against the Marlins at home. Looks like we're back to sitting Julio Tehran at SunTrust Park after all. So thank you so much for tuning in. Good luck. Thank you for sending in your lineup questions. Best of luck with those lineups. And I will see you here again tomorrow with Matt Modica. Have a good one, everybody.